Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Ben Levno from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview with Dr. Mills. Thanks for the introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today we'll be discussing MAG antibody testing. But before we get started talking about our new MAG antibody test, I want to introduce Dr. John Mills. Sir, thanks for joining us today. Could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background before we get started? Sure. So I am co-director of the Neuroimmunology Laboratory here at Mayo Clinic, where we do antibody testing for neurological conditions. And I also sign out genetic testing in the space of peripheral neuropathies here at Mayo Clinic. Yeah, thanks again, Dr. Mills, for joining us. So just as an overview, this new MAG test, can you kind of give us a general idea of the assay, the methodology, and how this could be used clinically? Sure. So this assay is an ELISA-based assay. It detects the presence of antibodies against the myelin-associated glycoprotein, which is known as MAG. These antibodies are biomarkers of a particular IgM-associated neuropathy known as DADS neuropathy or distal-acquired demyelinating symmetric neuropathy. The presence of these antibodies provides evidence of an underlying disease etiology. A majority of those with positive MAG antibodies have a detectable IgM M-protein by protein electrophoresis or serum fixation. Perfect. I just want to drill into that a little bit, Dr. Mills. The M-protein, that's some testing that we also offer here at Mayo Clinic in a unique uh, methodology called mass fixation. Can you maybe expound upon the role of the M-protein, how it relates to the MAG antibody, and also that unique testing methodology that we use? Initially, the disease was characterized by the presence of MAG antibodies, and it was specifically in those with an M protein present. Now, more recently, there have been some case reports and studies that have demonstrated that there are individuals with MAG antibodies that don't have the presence of an M protein by these standard testing approaches like serum protein electrophoresis or the traditional gel-based fixation. So I think it is somewhat interesting whether or not in those individuals, if they were to use a more sensitive screening technique like MassFix, we're able to pick up lower concentrations of M proteins, whether or not and if the, in those individuals, they would in fact have an underlying M protein. The theory is that it, the M protein itself is what has affinity for the MAG antigen, but that hasn't directly been proven to this point. Going back to the patient population, you mentioned the DADS phenotype and neuropathy patients. Can you describe how those will present to our listeners? and then when it would be appropriate to order this specific test. So patients with an IgM M-protein neuropathy should be considered for MAG antibody testing. The clinical presentation along with electrophysiology can greatly improve the pretest probability of a positive result. Generally, these patients would present with sensory predominant features and electrophysiologically, there would be evidence of a slowed distal conduction velocities. That makes sense. Are these patients hard to recognize clinically? And is the antibody test important 
or is it pretty clear this dad's phenotype is separate from maybe other types of neuropathies? These IgM neuropathies tend to be heterogeneous. In theory, the clinical presentation of, and electrophysiology for the dad's diagnosis, a diagnosis can be made directly based off the clinical presentation and those nerve conduction studies. However, in practice, often these findings are not so straightforward, they're complex and heterogeneous. And this kind of partly explains why there tends to be a, a two to three year lag in these patients from the time that they present with a neuropathy until they formally are diagnosed with DADS or, or MAG neuropathy. So having these antibody results can certainly aid in coming to a quicker diagnosis in the correct clinical context. And of course, this is important because some of those mimicking conditions respond quite well to immunotherapy, whereas the DADS phenotype or the presence of MAG antibodies, those patients tend not to respond readily to treatment, and it's more of a progressive disease. So it is important to identify this early because of those treatment and prognostic information that comes along with that. That's really helpful. I think the other thing that's exciting is just about how the antibody test can help increase confidence for physicians, right? I mean, it does sound like many of our autoimmune tests where the presentation is atypical, but the detection or lack thereof of an antibody can really give a physician confidence in the way that they go forward. Absolutely. Now that we've covered kind of the patient presentation and the test in general, I do know that this testing has been around for a little while. So can you talk to me about how our test is maybe different than how other existing MAG antibody tests uh, that already exist on the market? There are several other methods that are, are used to detect MAG antibodies. Often that could be through Western blotting techniques or a similar approach called line blot techniques. These are generally non-calibrated assays. They may use a subjective interpretation. So depending on the laboratory, they may look at the presence of a band and make an interpretive call whether or not the intensity of that band is sufficient to call it positive or negative. This approach is a calibrated ELISA. So one of the benefits of that is it's easier to control the performance of the assay over time because you're constantly using calibration. You feel very confident about where that positive negative cutoff lies. So that's an an important advantage of using the approach we're taking. The other consideration is the quality and source of antigen that are being used. There's some evidence that using human MAG antigen is superior versus using antigen from other animal species. So our assay uses human MAG antigen. Taking all those things together, we feel that in terms of the testing that is currently available for MAG at this moment, that this is the best approach to use. So the ELISA is more calibrated, you mentioned. The antigen is a big deal. I've also heard you talk about the reference ranges where uh, depending on where the cutoffs are, it can increase, I think, specificity. Is that right, Dr. Mills? That's right. So the manufacturers of ELISA kits often provide a recommended reference range or cutoff point. And what we found with our own internal studies are that that cutoff point is a little too low. And then on occasion, we find false positive results that are kind of just above that cutoff. So what we've actually done is we've validated our own cutoff at 
at 1,500 BTUs versus the, the recommendation at 1,000. This is also supported in the literature where there's been other groups that have also looked at this and found a similar improvement in specificity by moving that cutoff up. So that is another distinction of our assay versus some of our competitors is that we've used our own internal validation to set what we feel is the most appropriate cutoff for clinical use. Great, and then I've also heard of uh, the test for SGPG that oftentimes accompanies MAG, but I noticed that we won't be using that complementary test. Can you help our listeners understand why? So anti-SGPG antibodies are often also found in the dad's neuropathy cases, but what's also been recognized is a vast majority of those that have the anti-SGPG also have the presence of anti-MAG antibodies, so they coexist together. In those very rare cases where there's only reactivity to the SGPG, the clinical features of those patients are, are much broader and more expansive than the traditional DADS phenotype. That raises some concerns in terms of specificity of those isolated results on their own. The purpose of MAG antibody testing really is to identify the, the DADS phenotype and the corresponding treatment and prognostic information that goes along with that. So we feel that at this time, based on what's known, the use of anti-MAG antibodies alone is the best approach. Thanks, Dr. Mills. As we kind of conclude here, I want to go back to something that you had touched on already, and that's just the patient journey and how kind of challenging it is to identify these patients. You mentioned that some of these patients go two to three years where physicians are searching for a diagnosis. Maybe the patients are seeing other physicians, second opinions. Can you just elaborate again on how this test can impact patient care and maybe shorten that journey? I think that the key here is that often, again, there's the classic presentation, the classic electrophysiological findings. In clinical practice, the electrophysiology has some of the features, but then there's other features that don't necessarily fit. And I think that raises a lot of red flags in terms of what is the underlying uh, disease etiology. And by having the antibody test performed, if, you, if a positive result comes back, I think this just provides confidence that some of those critical features that we're seeing clinically and, and using the electrophysiology, I think it builds confidence and helps direct towards the thinking about the dad's phenotype more specifically. And I think that can improve the speed at which a diagnosis is achieved. And especially like you touched on, our methodology is going to really increase specificity. So a test result that's positive for MAG, the physician can have a lot of confidence that that's really the underlying etiology. Yes. Now, there are some situations where with any test, there are false positives. So it is very important, as with any autoantibody test, that the, the antibody result is still just part of the diagnostic puzzle that it really does need to be interpreted in the correct clinical context and not used in isolation. Going back to the patient journey one more time, Dr. Mills, just wanted to help our listeners understand if a patient tests positive for that M protein, should they get this MAG antibody test afterwards all the time? Or are we seeing it more often that patients are going to test positive for the MAG antibody and that should lead them to getting this M-protein tested for using our mass fixation technology? 
by the time uh, DADS or potentially magneuropathy is on the differential diagnosis, the recommendation would be that uh, an M-protein screening test had already been performed. If it hasn't been, and the, there is concern for testing for, for MAG antibodies, at that point, my recommendation would be that both should be ordered at the same time if the M-protein hadn't been tested previously. One of the findings of, of, I mentioned earlier, a study where they had looked at the presence of MAG antibodies in those without an IgM M-protein, one of the, the findings from that study is when they did follow-up two or three years later, many of those patients actually eventually did develop a detectable IgM M-protein by protein electrophoresis and immunofixation. My recommendation would be that if there's strong clinical indication that this is the DADS phenotype, MAG is ordered and it's positive and there's concern you know, about why there wasn't an IgM detected, the recommendation would be either repeat that testing or order a more sensitive approach like the mass fix assay, which may be able to detect those earlier. Yes, sir. I think that's really interesting, the mass fixation and what that could add to those that M-protein testing. Now, if a patient is found to be positive for the M-protein as well, uh, how does that change the treatment or prognosis for those DADS phenotype patients? DADS neuropathy itself, once that diagnosis is made, that generally indicates kind of a progressive disease that doesn't respond very well to standard immunotherapies that might be used for something like CIDP, which can sometimes mimic the DADS phenotype. So that's a situation where by identifying a patient having the DADS phenotype, that type of neuropathy versus CIDP, it's going to have a dramatic impact and perhaps how that patient would be treated and what their long-term prognosis would be. So it, it is important to make those distinctions. Sounds really interesting. And uh, there's still more to be discovered for sure. So Dr. Mills, if you could summarize for our physicians, just a key takeaway for physicians or patient impact related to this test, what would it be? Really that this test is a, an important component of the diagnostic workup for those with suspected IgM neuropathy. And in the correct clinical context, it can be very helpful identifying those with, with the DADS neuropathy. If there's suspicion that this test is, and this test is now available, it, it should be ordered in that context. These cases are certainly a puzzle and uh, we're trying to offer you know, the best solutions to increase confidence for physicians. Thanks again for joining us today, Dr. Mills. I look forward to the launch of this MAG antibody test, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.